You're listening to the Northfield Radio Program, where faith, family, and culture all collide with a biblical worldview. Your host for the Northfield Radio Program is Caleb Gordon. You can find out more about Caleb at www.calebgordon.com. Welcome to the Northfield Radio Program, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Caleb Gordon. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. As always, I want to give a little shout out to our friends at Outpost Coffee Company. Go check those guys out, outpostcoffeeco.com. So on today's program, we're going to go a little south, uh, a little south, actually past the Red River, and we're going to go into Dallas, Texas, and we are talking to Pastor JP from Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. How are you What's doing, up, brother? Man, I'm excited so that you're Thanks here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. This is this is awesome. Um, so I look at this. I see I've been to Watermark before, and there's you've got 12,000 people that, that go to your church, and you, you run or sort of kind of head up the porch, which is this influential gathering of thousands of young adults who gather together weekly and worship and study God's Word. That's, that's, in, that's amazing. How, how are yeah, things going down there? It's a blessing, man. It's such a gift to, to us. You hear all the time that millennials are leaving the church in droves, you know, and so uh, people in their 20s and 30s, and that's just not our experience. Well, we're seeing really a movement among people in their 20s and 30s here, and so it seems like that's probably the demographic that's growing the fastest here, and uh, it's such a gift and a blessing. It's just God moving in spite of us. And I really, that, that's the season of life where my life, God grabbed my heart and my life was changed. And so I consider it a privilege just to get to preach to that group. So cool. So I, we're, I'm having you on the show today because you've got a new book out called Welcome to Adulting. I love that's that right. title. I love it. So in your, it seems like you're having success in this generation that's struggling to, to reach out. I mean, what do you, why do you think that's, what do you think that is? Man, I just think, uh, so yes, Welcome to Adulting, a new book. It's very, very excited about it. It was really written to be a gift to anyone between 18 to 35. And so if you're listening and you're like, I'm looking for a, uh, you know, a birthday present or graduation present, Welcome to Adulting. And I think one of the reasons that God has, is blessing this here is just, you know, we calling young adults to something bigger than themselves consistently, uh, being real, like a spirit of authenticity and honesty and transparency, and uh, and just casting a vision to them and then deploying them, really not just doing ministry to people, but through people saying, hey, don't just come and, don't just come and see, don't just come and consume, but really be a part of the church. And then we're trying, you know, turning them outward and saying, hey, this is why God has given you life. This is why you have breath in your lungs while your heart beats in your chest. And that's really the heartbeat behind this book is, is helping people in their 20s and 30s find their purpose. And, uh, and so that's, that's what God's doing. That's awesome. So in your book, you talk about seeking freedom and how that could be a trap. Can you, like, can you flesh that out for us? Yeah, it's a huge part of my story. I think, you know, I can remember when my parents left me at college, so they dropped me off on my on-campus apartment and they pull out of the parking lot, and then you just kind of have this huge sense of freedom. Like, I have the freedom to do anything that I want to do. And what happens is a lot of time we use that freedom to do things that ultimately enslave us. In my case, uh, that became an addiction to pornography. 
and uh, and and sexual addiction, and and then you know as I continued on uh, alcoholism, the party, and so I wasn't walking with Christ, obviously. At this season of my life, I wasn't a Christian. But as I pursued those things that I wanted the freedom to pursue, they became cages to me. Like I couldn't stop pursuing them. Uh, I, I was stuck in them. I continued uh, to, you know, uh, try to find life in those places. And I, I, you know, I had to get help. And so then, when I became a Christian, um, really had to pursue a long season of healing from those addictions. And by the grace of God. Have experienced over a, a decade of sobriety from those struggles. Praise the Lord, um, and you know victory in those struggles. That's awesome. So you also talk about in the, in your book, "Welcome to Adulting." Following your passion is is not good advice sometimes, and it's contrary actually to God's word and what and what God teaches. Can you elaborate on that for us? Yeah, Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty three says, "Above all else, guard your heart." For it is the wellspring of life, or, or your version may say, uh, everything you do flows from it. And and we the the scripture also famously says, the heart is wicked and deceitful and beyond cure. Who can know it? And so I think the way I think about the advice that the world gives you to follow your passion, I would say before you follow your heart, which is just another way to say that, you have to inform your heart. And so before you follow your heart, you have to inform your heart. You have to teach it where to go. And uh, our heart, they're like bloodhounds, you know, they, yeah. they get on a scent. And so that's um, given to us based on the things we listen to and watch and who we hang out with and the things we love, the affections of our heart. And it pursues more of those things. Yeah. And as you think about following your passion, as we look backwards in the rearview mirror, our passions have led us to all kinds of places. They've led us <laughs> into jobs and out of jobs, into relationships and out of relationships. Our passions are always changing. Once upon a time, you may have loved football, or maybe you loved painting, or maybe you loved you know, a particular kind of music or a particular kind of book or a particular kind of movie. And the, as those passions change, you know, we can become uh, almost, you know, non-committed, just jumping into something, Absolutely. out of something, into something, out of something. And so there has to be something else uh, that we would follow. And uh, really, what I see young adults, a mistake that young adults will make is they'll follow their passion to a job, and then when they're not passionate about it any, anymore, they leave it, and they never get great at something. Because, you know, as, as it's been well said that uh, a lot of times it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. Well, those 10,000 hours represents lots of times where we don't feel that passion, and yeah. the commitment has to carry us through that. And so I do, I think, that follow your passion is not just bad advice. I do think it can be unbiblical advice, that our, our passions need to be conformed to the desires of God before we follow them. Absolutely. I, I've heard so many times having conversations with with you know young married folks they're just man you know they've been married for two or three years and that feeling of being you know being in love that is gone and they're just sort of kind of like oh what do i what do i do i'm like you you got to keep committed you've made it you made a covenant with your spouse you got to keep going and that's right and i it's dangerous to, to follow your quote unquote follow your heart or follow your passions good advice um that's right. I, I keep i kept going here I, I was looking through some of the things in your book and, and you talk about the loneliest generation how, how what does that what do you what does that mean as we have this yeah. lonely generation what does that look like yeah, so in welcome to adulting uh, one thing that i see in this generation is the phenomenon of social media and having you know thousands hundreds or thousands of friends followers uh likes on instagram or on facebook mm -hmm. or on twitter uh 
and yet feeling so alone. I mean, being in an apartment complex, being surrounded by hundreds of people and not really being known by anyone. Uh, even going to churches where you walk in on a Sunday, you hear a message, you know, you hear a worship leader you like, and then you go home and you feel so alone. And so I think the solution to this is actually to form, you know, deep relationships. We call a community here at Watermark Community Church. Uh, you might call a small groups, home groups, cell groups, sure. but not just a Bible study where you get together and you just, you know, read the Word of God, but actually you ask questions like, hey, how are you doing? What are you struggling with right now? What can we pray for? Um, you know, where are you seeing victory in your life? Uh, where, what can we celebrate? And, uh, you know, coming together in an Acts 2 kind of way, having all things yep. in common and caring for one another in, in those ways, I, I think is a solution to that, the lonely generation. Yeah, we got so many superficial relationships out there, and and I, I heard a guy just say uh, a couple weeks ago where he just he doesn't ask people how they're doing. He just says it's good to see you because most people when you when you ask that question, how you doing? What what's your standard response? It's the I'm fine, fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And if somebody actually starts to say, well, hey, do you want me to tell you how my day is? We're just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just asked this question, and and yeah. we're, we're we get nervous. And so that's yeah, absolutely. We, being a part of a community that's gospel centered, man, I think that's man, good advice. Think that's perfect. So I want to shift gears for just a second from from the loneliness, but it, it, it seems like everybody in the world's angry. Is that is that? fair to say that we see everybody's pretty pretty ticked off and angry um it does i mean i think you see uh major like polarization on topics right now people mm-hmm. choosing sides and uh a friend showed me recently like a there was a website you could go to and choose a date and it would tell you on the, any given date in 2017 what people were angry about wow. and so it does seem like there's a movement toward anger right now it really does and you're in your uh, in one of the famous sermons that jesus compares anger to murder what why do you think that what what is that can you flush that out because when people say i'm not guilty of murder but jesus says if you're angry and you're murder you're 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 in trouble so explain that yeah, he says, anyone who says you fool to a brother. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you consider what God has called us to, you know, the the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, Jesus says, love the Lord, or love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, anger is really the opposite of that. When we are given into rage, uh, when we're given into a hate toward a brother, uh, we might as well murder them. It doesn't. We don't have to actually pull yep. the trigger if we've done that in our heart and in our mind. We're we're guilty of the same emotion, just not the the action that follows. And so I think Christ, and in His famous sermon, Sermon on the Mount, uh, there, you know, Matthew five, six, and seven, uh, he he is dealing with the issues of the heart, where he's he's saying, hey, whoever has looked lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Whoever has um, hated his brother has already murdered him in his heart and so i I believe that's what he's saying so yeah absolutely absolutely so in in your book um welcome to adulting you talk about uh the money myth what is that explain that for us it's just this idea that even even as a pastor right i can tell you that money doesn't bring happiness. So the money myth is that money brings happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction. 
But statistically, that's not true. Uh, I mean, even science, modern science, tells us that, that that's not true. It may be to a point, like if you can provide for yourself, uh, there can be some contentment that comes from that. But what we think of as being rich, you know, being able to afford the Bentley or a nice car, a nice house, um, that, that truly does not bring happiness. And we have so many social studies that show this. I mean, one, the ancient one, would be King Solomon, who... Uh, he he made over a billion dollars a year. I mean, um, yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. He, he made one hundred twenty thousand dollars an hour, I believe, is the modern equivalent uh, wow. to what to the money he took. And you know, he says in Ecclesiastes, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. It's all vanity. And you see, you know, rock star after rock star overdose on drugs, trying to escape, taking their own life, um, committing suicide, which I wouldn't wish upon anybody. In fact, if anybody's there, I would, I would beg of them to reach out for help yeah. and, and would, might go as far as to say that's why they're hearing this right now, so that the Absolutely. Lord would tell them to reach out for help. But, um, but it, those, are, those are really wealthy people. There's a lot of wealthy people that are devastated, despairing, depressed. And so at some point, we have to learn in reality that, that money in and of itself is not going to satisfy us. There has to be something outside this world that we would pursue for our satisfaction. In fact, nothing in this world is going to satisfy us. Yeah. It's, we chase after this stuff and it's just, how much is, how much is enough? Well, just a little bit more, a little bit more. And I, I just, I mean, when you move from, you see money, money is part of this, this, this huge thing that, that we try to find contentment if we can't find contentment there then we run to things like sex and 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 there's a lot of people we live in this you know live in the world you have a conversation with just an average person is that hey is you think you think premarital sex is wrong and a bulk of people say it's harmless there's nothing wrong with having premarital sex is you know as long as you're not hurting each other or hurt you know you're you're totally fine why do you think or why do you believe that that's uh wrong advice well, it's just not true. I mean, first of all, and so <laughs> if it was true, it would be fine advice. But First uh, Corinthians six, eighteen to twenty, the eighteen to twenty says, um, you know, who flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own; you've been bought by a price. Yeah, absolutely. Therefore, honor God with your body. And so, um, you know, sex is a really complex thing that we've tried to dumb down. It really to just sex. Intimacy, as God has intended it, is a very complex, beautiful uh, reality. He says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And he says that two can become one flesh, that two human souls can become one through this act. And now modern science, uh, secular psychiatry, uh, says that when we, uh, you know, have experienced that level of intimacy with someone, that our brain actually creates synapses that bond us to our surroundings, that bond our five senses to our surroundings, and uh, and so that that's happening. And so, uh, what happens is is that was meant for the safe haven of the covenant relationship that you looked at. And when we go outside that covenant relationship, we're we're not. 
we're, we're really training ourselves for variety. We're kind of undoing the wiring of God that we would come together with one person for a lifetime. And as that person's body changes, you know, as they, as they turn 50 years old and 60 years old and 75 years old, and their body changes, they're no longer the 23-year-old co-ed, uh, we're still, they're still the epitome of attraction yeah. for us because we've continued to bond to them throughout our lifetime. And this is God's beautiful design. And what we've done is, uh, is you know, we've taken it outside those intentions and experienced, you know, great pain and, and, and heartache. I, I've, man, I, every time I've had conversations with people who say that there's no, you know, no issue with premarital sex, and I just, I look at the wake behind them and, and the, and the, the, dis, you know, the destruction and the hurt and the pain that they've caused to themselves and to other people. And, and that is absolutely so true. When you, we, when we follow God's word, man, it's, it's yeah. so helpful. And, and well, just yeah. consider that we're getting married later. Uh, the, the divorce rate, you know, let's call it 50%. Most yep. statistics would agree 50%. The marriage satisfaction rate so much is so much lower than that because while maybe half of marriages stay married, they're still unhappy. They're sleeping on couches and in other rooms. Consider STDs. Consider yep. um, unwanted pregnancies, children born out of wedlock, and then consider the 60 million abortions that have happened. And I would just say that mm. that's crazy to say that there are not consequences, that you're not hurting anyone. You, you're certainly hurting yourself and someone else. Yeah, absolutely. The the the, the boundaries that God's placed is, are, are there for our joy and for our fulfillment, not to not to keep us from something, but he's he's looking to give us something that's beautiful. Amen. God does not want to rip you off. As my <laughs> friend Todd Wagner says often, he does not want to rip you off. He wants to set you free. And uh, I think that I, experientially that is certainly true in my life. And uh, I believe that's true of our God. He does not want to rip you off. He wants to set you free. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I've been to your church, and I'll tell you what, I, I love, I, I came down for the Linger Conference uh, a few years ago. I got to hear you speak for the first time. And I, my wife and I both were just in awe of not only the theological content that we consumed that weekend, but just how you guys have structured the, the, the place there. Just, it, it's so incredible when you walk in the building and you see the statistics of the church and all the stuff that's going on. When you think about the future of the church, like what, what's your, are you hopeful? Are you concerned? What do you, what do you think? What do you see? I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly hopeful. For a number of reasons. One, I've read the back of the book, and I see how this all ends. You get know, it, Jesus get it. coming back, and yeah. and uh, and so I I, I kind of know the, I know the punchline, if you will. <laughs> but I I think that amongst young adults, that uh, and they want to do something bigger than themselves. In fact, every historical revolution has had at its epicenter a young adult, someone in their twenties and thirties. We're talking about the French Revolution, the American Revolution, the sexual revolution. If you talk about the four great awakenings in church history, if you look at that as somebody in their 20s or early 30s, and so I would just tell you know uh, 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 any listener and say I want to make I want to make the biggest impact that I can for the kingdom, I would say hey find someone in their 20s and 30s and pour into them uh, because that historically is who God has used. When you consider Jesus, He could have chosen anyone, right? He could have grabbed a, an elderly person, geriatric or or an infant, a toddler, and yet he chose 12 guys between the ages of 18 to 35, and he said, hey, let's change the world. And so uh, I think that 
they want to be called to something bigger than themselves. And when you give them a vision for that, they yeah. they really desire to use their gifts and talents uh, for the glory of God. That's a, that's at least what I'm seeing. So I'm hopeful. Absolutely, that's awesome. Good, I, I love that because that it is the truth. We win in the end. Uh, Jesus. Right. Well, let me let me rephrase that. Jesus wins in the end, and we uh, we get to yeah exactly we get to be a part of that. So. Tell me about your. Uh, you've got your. You're married, got kids. Yes, what? Uh, tell me yes. about. Tell me about them real quick. I have been married for 14 years. Tomorrow, happy anniversary to my bride. Awesome. And uh, we have three kids, um, uh, two daughters, and our son Weston, who just started kindergarten. Oh man, your house is is rocking. Then. <laughs> That's right. We have That's a lot of fun. Awesome. So now, how long have you been um, pastoring? So I've been. So I, I came to Watermark 16 years ago. I was at a bar uh, on a Saturday night, and I ran into an old friend from college, and she invited me to church. And I went, hung over, <laughs> sat in the back row, smelled like smoke from the night before, and uh, began to wrestle. I heard my friend Todd preaching. Uh, Todd started Watermark, and uh, heard him preaching, and and began to wrestle with what do I really believe about Jesus, and looked at the world religions out there, the Hindu faith, the Buddhist faith, the Jewish faith, the Islamic faith, and I kept tripping over the character of Christ in history, and so I ended up trusting my life to Him, believing upon His death and resurrection for the forgiveness of my sins, and everything changed. The, well, you know, the way I dated changed, what I did for fun changed, um, where I hung out changed, who I hung out with changed, and so uh, in that, you know, within the next several years, I just was discipled and poured into and ultimately felt a calling into ministry, vocational ministry, and didn't know what that meant. And the church called a few days later in kind of a sovereign act of God. Mm-hmm. And so I came I came to work here at Watermark 12 years ago. It's a long answer to say I've been in ministry for 12 <laughs> years. That's awesome. That's So you, you got saved in the same church you're on staff at now, correct? That's right. I was That's raised awesome. in the church. My parents, great parents, but was a really rebellious kid. Yeah. And so, welcome to adulting was really written out of that heart. You know, I, I wrote this for someone who doesn't love to read, um, someone who you know whether you have been the Sunday school kid your whole life, or um, or you know you you were an addict and and you you're a prodigal or you you've never really considered who Jesus is. I tried to capture that spectrum with this book, and so. As I said earlier, I, I hope it's a great gift uh, for someone, you know, that, that it would be the, the go-to birthday present because yeah. it's Welcome to Adulting, so appropriate title or uh, or graduation present. Yeah, I love it. It, it, it. It's what I've been reading. It's phenomenal, and I want to encourage everybody out there to go check out this book, Welcome to Adulting. How can you find out more about this book? Where can you order it from? Is there a website? You got something yeah. you want to plug? Thank you. And we've been blown away by the success of it. I mean, it's shame on me. It's been really a surprise just the way that God has used it. Um, it was actually featured on Fox last week. and I saw uh, that. I saw that. So cool. Where books are sold, you know, Barnes & Noble or Amazon, or you can go to welcometoadultingbook.com. Uh, but anywhere that has books, uh, they'll have it. And if they don't, please ask them to, to carry it. They'll get a, they'll get it for you. Awesome. Well, I will I will do that, and I've got some people I can think of that I, I want to get that for. So, oh, thank brilliant. you so much for taking time out to talk about you know what's going on in your world and, and sharing this this beautiful vision about coming to adulthood and and yeah. it's beautiful. I love it. Um, it's my joy, man. Thank you. Very cool. Would you be willing to to dismiss us in prayer? 
Absolutely. And Father, thank you so much for my friend Caleb and just technology and the way that uh, you can reach uh, you know, hundreds, thousands of people uh, through radio waves. And Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, whom you've sent to this earth to live a perfect life as an example for us. And thank you that, that you allowed him to die for our sins so that we don't have to suffer for our sins and that you defeated death, raising him from the grave so that his spirit can live with us and show us the way to go. And so, Father, if there's anyone listening that hasn't given their life to that, I pray that they would. And I uh, thank you for the ways that Caleb and I get to, sh- uh, to, to celebrate that every day with the way that we live. You're an amazing God. And we thank you for your son. It's in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You guys have a great day. You too, brother.